0: Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am Fitzpatrick G Pitts. Uh, the G is not for Fitzgerald. Is it a um,
1: big G or a lowercase G?
0: It depends on what. Sorry. time. I'm, it depends on what hood I'm in, homie. <laughs> uh, but now uh, uh, the G is for uh, Jermaine, and uh, so and right here to my immediate right is
1: I'm Pastor Kevin. That's Kevin L Reese. <laughs> Lionel. Lionel, that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. That's right.
0: (laughs) But, uh, Uh, Just a small introduction of ourselves before we dive directly into this. Kevin is one of my best friends in the whole wide world. And uh, there's nobody else that I would love to be doing ministry with than Kevin. And so uh, we decided to come together this week as we have been talking this month about relational reconciliation. Who's been blessed by this series so far? Man, just really. Who went reconciled before the Super Bowl? And uh, when reconcile some relationships, get them together, get your life together. I pray that you were able to go do that. And and we've been talking about this reconciliation, hoping that we will promote unity amongst the body of Christ, you know, and that we'll come together. And, you know, the Bible says we have this ministry of reconciliation. And one one section also says we have this message of reconciliation. And but but. We cannot be uh, ignorant to one of the biggest hurdles of reconciliation that we're facing right now, which is racial reconciliation. And we can't be ignorant or arrogant to think that somehow uh, the racial divide have been totally broken and there is total unity amongst uh, the majority and the minority of people uh, as it relates to the color of their skins. And, and this is tension that we feel everywhere we go. Uh, Especially now it's crazy because it's tension on both sides and we're going to tackle that today is temp- ten- Tension between those who are of brown skin and black skin and those who are of the lighter hue Which is uh, of white skin are I- clear or translucent. I don't know. They say y'all white. y'all ain't white Ain't nothing white. It's not white. His shirts white. Amen uh, I'm really black though, <laughs> but <laughs> <It's dark brown. laughs> The chocolate the chocolate <laughs> but um, the but but this is the truth the bible says that we were all created in the image of God red and yellow black or white it doesn't matter we were all created to express the image of of our father and so uh we want to make sure that we communicate biblically that especially this month you know uh as we celebrate black history month which we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into the message but normally this conversation that we're getting ready to have this morning pk only happens after a tragedy only happens after something in the community that rocks our community and further divides our community. But I want you to know this, as your pastor and as we pastor this church and as we cast vision about Anchor, we want to be proactive so we can head off racial trauma and racial issues that may plague our community so we can have a a, a unity amongst us to where we don't have to deal with those issues but we be solutions to the problem can I get a better amen right there who wants to be a solution to the problem all right and so we're gonna go through this today and and so I, I have a question I want to ask you PK and I, I really uh want to hear your answer to this and and it's probably a question that people are thinking but they too afraid to say and so um but this question is this um Why is it that every year we have a Black History Month, but there's no White History Month? And uh, what's that about? Like, why Black History and not White History?
1: Do you wonder that?
0: I do. I (laughs) want to hear what you think about it. I mean, a question I want to know.
1: You know, it's a question that uh, um, I know a lot of us that— maybe grew up in a, in a culture that we didn't ever see and understand a need for a Black History Month, we, we, I remember thinking, why are we celebrating Black History Month in this? Like, what is the purpose of this? I don't, I don't understand it. And um, when you start to look at at history and you start to dig into things, you realize that there is history that is told generally by the people that have the most power at the time. And so whenever we read through our history books, any history we read is not the total history of anything that happened. And that's not just about racial issues. Anything we read about other countries, about other cultures, about other times, we don't get the full story because we weren't there. And, uh, and so oftentimes our history only tells certain parts of what happened. Uh, and so that is why for at least one month a year, we try to, do, to go back and say, "Look, are there stories for this group of of our culture that we have not paid attention to throughout the year?" Um, I was reading uh, a thing this this month about Black History Month. They were they were talking about old history books and showing how little. The old history books would talk about some of the issues with the racial tension or with slavery, that those would be things they would just kind of hide in the footnotes of history. And none of us disagree that those things happened. It's just they're not pretty things, so we don't like to talk about them. But if we don't go back and talk about our history, we don't learn from it. And we, we also diminish the value of people's experiences that we could be learning from. Um, and and the, the question a lot of people ask is why is there a Black History Month and not a White History Month? And the reality is every month is pretty much White History Month. I mean, it, it, and it, it may sound like a, that may sound silly if you're like, that, that's just wrong. Like, it's not White History Month. But it, if you think about the history that we're taught, we're taught history through the lens of the, the culture that has the most control. And that is the white culture traditionally in the American uh, context. And so uh, most of our history is white history. But um, so here's a question for you why are we talking about this in church? That's, that's the question some people are out there asking right now is, okay, I came to church this morning because I was hoping to hear something about the gospel or hear something about what God wants for my life. And we're talking about a, a, a political issue or a social issue. Why is this something that's even important to talk about in the church?
0: Well, uh, that's a great question. And I'm quite sure, because this is a very popular question that you'll find uh, posed on Twitter and and in the Twitterverse, and when they're tweeting, they're tweeting. And uh, but the truth is, the reason we're taking the time out to talk about this is because it's God's heart. It's God's heart that all of us get together. That's why when you read throughout the Bible, it's a very uh, intentional to discuss the different creeds. Uh, even when they get ready to enter the promised land, they talk about the Hittite, the Havites the Perizzites. Uh, they talk about all the Canaanites um, and the, the Israelites. They talk about all the different tribes. And even within the tribes, they talk about the different sects of tribes that they have. Uh, and so even when Jesus comes back and he gives us the great commission, he tells us, he says, go into all, all the world, he knew there had to be a redemption and a reconciliation between the, the different ethnicities that existed. And he said, go and preach the gospel to all nations and those of you who've been here for a while you understand that word nations is ethos where we get our english word ethnicity from and so jesus was saying go and tell everyone it doesn't matter their social economic background it doesn't matter the color of their skin all of them are um, benefactors of the finished work of jesus christ and so why we're doing it here at anchor more specifically is because of the mandate that is on our church do not take what god has given us as common not many churches have the diversity that we have here and so uh, one of the things pastor Kevin and I talk about is preserving and protecting what God has given us and so we like I said we want to be proactive in preaching this gospel that God loves us everyone it doesn't matter the color of your skin and so it's not a political issue for me it is a spiritual issue that god wants to tear down the walls that have been erected over generations to where they say the 11 o'clock hour is the most segregated hour in america and we want to make sure that we're shining a light right here from anchor chapel that the world knows that god can unify his people Amen? amen so uh kevin let's share a story uh, of you,
1: you face when you were trying to pursue uh, racial reconciliation? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think most of us have at one time or another probably done something to try and stand up for somebody or to try and make a difference when it come to somebody being treated poorly because of their race or their culture or their differences. And we often f- run into conflict when we do that. Um, and the, the story that came to mind for me, um, is, is about two years ago. We had, uh, we're, we're coming up on the two year anniversary in a few months of George Floyd. And right after that happened, Roland and I, uh, we started talking about some things and we said, okay, I think we want to have this, this conversation similar to what we're having, except for it was, it was really more me just trying to talk to Roland and hear from him, his heart of what he was thinking, what he was feeling during that time. And we started denouncing that we were gonna have this conversation and I had a, a person accost me on social media saying, how dare you have this conversation? Who do you think you are that you're equipped to have this conversation and that you're gonna heal everything and you you know that that Anchor in the past has done things that have hurt people. Have you gone back and talked to every single person you've ever hurt before you try and work your way forward? And for me it was a hurtful thing because we had like we we were just trying to do something good. We were trying to have a great conversation and this person before we even had it was already saying I don't like the way you're going to do this. Wow. So don't do it. And I think some of us have been in that position where we've tried to do something and we didn't like People were mad at us for what we tried to do. We didn't do it right. We didn't do it perfect. We didn't say something. We, we said something that they didn't like the way it came out. And so it, it you just get scared. You, you all honestly start to get scared that what if I say something? In fact, when we were setting up today talking about what we were going to do, Um, We talked about how much this issue we have to be careful what we say, because we've seen pastors from the platform say one thing that it wasn't that they intended it poorly. It's just that in the moment they said it in a way that it had a bad context. And those pastors were like burned at the stake on social media because they said one word the wrong direction. And and so
0: and it became a soundbite. And so, uh, man, that's. That's tough. And if you guys haven't seen that conversation with PK and Roland, it's online. Uh, It's an amazing conversation that you guys had. And I thought it was very substantive what you guys covered. And thank you all for doing that. Uh, For me, um, I I have always been kind of different in my community. Um, And so uh, I've always been kind of the outlier for, for what they say. Uh, and my kids kind of endure this now. I remember when we made the decision to go to, uh, the church that I was at before I came here and, uh, it was 99 point, uh, <laughs> 99.999% uh, white. And, uh, and here go a real black man showing up, you know, like black man, super black man, you know? And, uh, I remember showing up there and, and God called us there and uh, I never forget when he spoke to myself and my wife. He says, "I'm sending you on a Martin Luther King-like mission." And uh, we didn't understand it fully, but when we went, uh, we understood. And so, but when we went, everyone who was my friend uh, told us uh, we were Uncle Toms, uh, sellouts. We turned our back on our community. Um, you, you, you missed the mark, you missed the mission. Um, how are you going to do more for them than you do for us? Um, uh, even when I chose anchor to come to anchor, um, they told me the exact same thing. And, uh, I, I had to literally, um, my, my wife would tell you and my kids would tell you it's hard sometimes, um, for us because of the, call that God has placed on our lives to bring this message of reconciliation and to raise up a church that is not only multicultural or uh, multi-ethnic. So um, I, I shared, we shared this story to let you know that even in the pursuit of something righteous, you will be persecuted. You, you will be uh, shunned. And, and, uh, but you have to understand, if you just delimit it to a political issue, you'll cave in. But if you understand it's the heart of God to pursue us, you'll keep going with the task. And henceforth, Kevin and I are sitting here and I get the chance to be the lead pastor of the greatest church on this side of heaven, Anchor Chapel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Kevin, it's, it's so we're talking about you know, the racial uh, reconciliation relationally. But what's the difference between racism and discrimination? Some people don't even know the difference between discriminating and suffering
1: racism. Yeah, I I think uh, it's an important topic because Uh, I I know sometimes in today's society, we hear terms like uh, racism and some people like, well, I've had reverse racism on me and, and uh, you know, the world is starting to make it where it's harder for a white man than a black man. And so um, in order to even say that you have to, you need to slow down and understand the difference between racism and discrimination. Discrimination is when somebody, um, somebody treats you differently based on, a difference you have. Okay, They look at you, they prejudge you, and then they treat you differently because of that. It might be because of your skin, but it might be because of your, your financial position. It might be because of your gender. It might be because of your family that you came out of or a city you live in or whatever it is, the way you talk, the way you dress. That's discrimination, being treated differently because of something. Racism is a different level of that it involves discrimination but it it means that someone has diminished the value of a people group understand at the root of the word racism is the word race right and we're talking about the human race And if you go back into the roots of when racism started, it started when a culture said, we want to regard this group of people as a lower class of human so that we can then feel better about doing things or or choosing to treat them in a different manner. And so we recognize we can't treat People that are equal to us in this way, but if we can qualify them as a lower race, we can treat them in a different way. So that's the root of where racism came from. The word racism is we regarded someone as a lower race so we could treat them differently. Now, you might say in today's day and age that that's not exactly the same, but there are still ripples in our culture that are still at work because of what happened hundreds of years ago where people were regarded as a lower race for so long that we're still fighting to get the discriminatory mindset away because of that. if you understand that racism means that you regard someone as a lower race of human being, it it does change. We have to be careful using the terms like reverse racism and things like that, because I am not aware in my life, I've never seen a situation where someone has regarded a white race as a lower race of person, as a lower value created being. That doesn't mean that you might not face sometimes challenges in your life and people might say things about you, but that you, you weren't regarded as a lower being, a lower created being.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. And I, I think, I hope that clears up the difference between discrimination
1: and racism, uh, uh for you. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing too. Racism isn't just an act against people, right? If you remember, if racism is about uh, treating someone as a lower being, you're looking at a created being that God made in his Mm. image, and you're saying, God, that person you made isn't worth as much as I am. And that's a sin that doesn't just hurt them. That's between you and God because you just told him his creation isn't as valuable. And so that is something that we have to, that's why we, as a church, that's why it's important because we're regarding God's creation at lower values. But, uh, uh, let me, let me ask you this, um, is, is this. Is this something new just in the past? I know it's obviously not new this year to have racism and racial issues, but is this something that just showed up in America, that just showed up in the last couple hundred years? Where Where's the root of all of this?
0: Well, no. Um, racism has been around uh, ever since the fall of man. Um, it, it is it, When sin entered into the world, that's when the sin of racism entered into the world, and we can't be ignorant to that. We, we watch this uh, all the way from uh, <laughs> Adam taking a dominant position over Eve. Uh, we watch Cain and Abel, what happened there. Uh, we see what happens when uh, the Israelites become subject to the Egyptians, and 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 how they were placed under, and then in the, even in the first century, we see the Greco-Roman uh, culture overtake uh, the world and placed them underneath what their uh, rule was. And so they they wanted them to be lower and also to assimilate into their culture. And so in order for them to assimilate, they had to treat them a little different. And so that, that mentality transferred across the Atlantic Ocean all the way to America. And Unfortunately, it's because of the fall of man. The Bible says the heart of a man is deceitfully wicked and who can ever know it? You know, and so they took the scripture and they read it and they began to perpetuate what they thought the scripture meant um, and then place people into a people group to say they were not even full humans. Um, and so my girl, <laughs> but say that they were not even fully human and it was it was a warped view of biblical truth that perpetuated this stigma and so now what we have now is people i mean i i can go into just some details but we decided today we are not going to harp on what was we're going to really push forward but Like Kevin said, we have to acknowledge that it was in order to push forward. And so it it exists and it still exists in the hearts of people and it comes out when you least expect it. And so it's not something that just happened over 300 years ago. It happened amongst, um, I, I, I remember when we went to Africa, true story. I remember when, I'm gonna try to say it as fast as I can. My wife and I, we went preached in South Africa and uh, my wife sung a song and they were all excited about my wife and uh, they were like, yes, you know, man, a colored woman singing this song and that was so awesome. You know, this colored woman is singing this song and then they were like, now, for the main speaker for the night, we getting ready to bring up a black man. And I looked around, in this African church, the only white people was there was the ones I brought with me from America. So they looking at me and I'm looking at them too. And uh, I'm like, wait a second, we all black. And, uh, but what I didn't know was that they created racism even amongst the shade of the color of skin. Think about that, yeah. and so it's been around for a long time. And uh, but I believe through the power of God we can uh, uh, destroy that. Amen? Amen. And so we have to make sure we protect this this union. And uh, so 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 how how long ago, Kevin, um, did this take place? How, how long ago was that?
1: Well, I mean, we 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 know that racism's been around since. <laughs> since the beginning of time, but God actually, at one point there was a chosen race, Mm -hmm. right? So there was a time when God actually differentiated a higher race and that was the Jews. It wasn't blacks, it wasn't whites. In fact, I don't know anybody in this room that, that has Jewish, true Jewish roots. We were none of us the chosen race. Um, God, back in the, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, he had separated his people that were his chosen people, mm-hmm. and um, until Jesus came, there was a holy racism, yeah. in, in essence, um, at, at that point, but, but, but we have Galatians, um, which is the verse we kind of wanted to, to jump in on today to, to start out, um, which is where we find hope to move past um, the division that was defined in the law. So um, who
0: wants to move past that division? Amen. Amen.
1: So Galatians three, here's what it says. It says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's the good news that comes in Jesus, that we all get to put aside our past, whoever we were when we were born, whatever defined us before, and we get to put on Christ. Amen. And when we put on Christ, whatever might've been holding us back or oppressing us in the past, whatever might've been hurting us or causing hurt to others is gone because I'm not white. I'm not a man. I am Christ. I put on the image of Christ and that should be who defines me. Um, All of these divisions, man, woman, white, black, slave, uh, free, uh, uh, Jew, Gentile, those are, are divisions created that separate power from not power. But if we're all in Christ, none of that matters. And I'm glad Paul realized that
0: because Paul was the very elite amongst his people and uh, he fought for it. He, he got into it with Peter about this. He got into it with the other apostles about including others that was deemed lower. Um, and but he ran into some obstacles. And I believe we have some obstacles now. I believe a lot of you in this room who name the name of Jesus want to see unity and racial reconciliation amongst us. Those of you who are online also, you want to see that unity. But there are some obstacles based off our ethnicity that we run into. And 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 we don't want to exclude any ethnicity, but the major issue is kind of black and white. And so we want to do... Deal- in this country. Yeah, in this yeah. country. And uh, I'm black, you're white, I'm ebony, you're
1: ivory. Yeah, but, but even then, I mean, I, I, I think... <laughs> Before we go off the rails, (laughs) we're working in perfect harmony. Um, It's it that may be the biggest issue in this region of the country, or in but but it is bigger than just black white. I mean, it's it's brown. It's 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 any and 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 here's the thing. It's not even just color of skin, Mm -hmm. because over time, the the what's been defined as white and not white has changed over yes, the has. years. In fact, there are people that, that used to, uh, Polish, which is very white. Polish used to be regarded as not white because the white culture said, we don't want them in our people groups, So we're going to hold them out and d- to say they're not white. But then at a certain point, they said, we need you because we need your numbers. And so they, they redefined them as white. Italians? So the, yeah, Italians, the same boat. Italians were not considered white because we wanted to exclude them from our culture but then one day they said we need more people in the white race to maintain superiority so they said we're going to define you as white it, it it's changed over time but it's not just white and black it's it's really it's a culture versus subcultures yes it's not just skin colors and so um but yeah so kevin what are some obstacles as a white man uh, that you face yeah so we want we want to we want to we want to um, give some hope. We want to give some, some messages of how we can move ahead. And so I think one of the things for for a, if you're a, a person of the lighter hue, as you say, if you're a person that's kind of pale like me and pasty and you want to make a difference, you want to make an impact um, to bring racial reconciliation. One of the things we have to figure out is what is standing in our way. And one of the things I've noticed when talking to people um, in the last few years is the white community generally, um, you'll have people that will say, I just don't see why that's my problem that I need to solve. Why is that something that I need to deal with? Because I'm not actively walking around hurting people of different colors. I'm not saying ugly things. I don't own slaves. I, my family didn't own slaves. So why is that something I should be worried about? Um, and so people have this thought that I didn't make the wound so why should I be worried about trying to fix this? Cause it's not my problem. Why don't we just go talk to the, 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 the Nazis or the, you know, the skinheads or whatever it is um, in the, in the Bible, the, the Pharisees are talking to Jesus and they're asking him to tell them what's the greatest, the, what's the, the greatest commandment. And Jesus says, it's to love the Lord, your God. And then he comes back and he says, the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So he gives two laws: love God, love people. So we're supposed to love all people. And then right after that, the Pharisees ask Jesus, okay, so who is our neighbor? And he gives a parable. And the parable is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if you remember the, the Good Samaritan story, I'm not gonna read through it and go through it all, but you have this man that's hurt, he's beat up, he's left on the side of the road dead. And, you know, this person from the church comes by and they see him and they skip over to the other side of the road. And, and these people keep just like walking around him, ignoring the wounds. Right. And finally, a Samaritan who, by the way, this is a racial issue because the Samaritan would have been regarded as a lower class person. He was a dirty person. You stayed away from the Samaritans. The Samaritan said, I see this hurt man. I'm going to offer him healing. And he took him to a place to get healing. Now the Samaritan could have looked at him and said, I didn't hurt you, what do you want me to do? Why don't you go find the guy that beat you up and ask him to come back and take you to get healing? And that's kind of the posture that a lot of us take when it comes to racism is we say, look, I am trying to not cause hurt myself. Surely that's enough. I don't have to actually speak up and provide healing. I can just not cause hurt. But how would that make sense to look around and see hurt people around you and just say, hey, look, I didn't hurt you like that doesn't create healing. Yeah. That doesn't bring hope that that doesn't if, if imagine a hospital and the hospital, all they said when you came in was go find the person that hurt you. Go find the person that hurt you. Let them fix you. Hospitals are there to heal people that have been hurt by, by other people. Nobody's in the hospitals hurting people, right? The church is supposed to be a hospital for souls. We're supposed to be having people come in that bring their brokenness and their wounds that they've suffered from the hands of others. And we help them find healing through the wounds of Jesus. Amen. And so, um, we got to stop arguing about whether we caused the pain and just see the pain of others and say, it don't matter if I cause this pain, what can I do? What can I say to help find healing? But, uh, what, what about for you? When, when you talk about people in the black community, what can they, uh, what kind of obstacles stand between them and finding or, or helping to find reconciliation
0: i could have picked a bunch but i I chose this one because uh in order to get a different fruit you have to change the root and i think the root of the obstacles for the black community is this we claim wounds that we really don't have um and so we, we 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 listen don't play the victim if you don't have a wound and so that, that's the equivalent of, you know, when you see little kids, they, they have a friend that get hurt and uh, that friend is hurting and, and his mama give them a Band-Aid. What that other little kid go to his mama say? I want a Band-Aid, too. You know, and they go put the Band-Aid on. And they walk around like they're hurt, just like the other kid, you know. And and in our community, we've done that. Um, I, I remember uh, sharing uh, in Donaldsonville, which is 80% black. Uh, I asked them all, I said, How many of you were slaves? And, and, and I want to ask you all that. How many of you in here were slaves, Af- African American people? If you're online, were you slave? Okay, you notice know no hands went up, right? I didn't see any. Okay, I didn't see any either. But we take on the wound of slavery when those slaves fought for us to not have that wound. And so we, we look at the civil rights movement and we, we see the atrocities that happened to the Dr. Martin Luther King's, the, the Rosa Parks, and all these different things, the Emmett Till's and all these things that happened. And we'll look at that and we'll say, that's why I hate white people. And... I'm like, they were fighting for us not to carry that hate. They were fighting for us to be able one day to do what Pastor Kevin and I are doing right now, to love each other. It wasn't for us to turn around and make them the victim. Do you hear me? Matthew 6.14 says this. It says, uh, if you... Forgive those who sinned against you. Your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to give other, forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. And so our obstacle is we've taken on an offense that's really not our offense. I didn't say we took on, we, we're not supposed to take on the fight for equality, but we are not supposed to take on the offense. We don't fight from a place of offense. We fight from a place of of trying to reconcile. And so we, oh gosh, this is good. See, Dr. Martin Luther King had it right. He said, I choose, I decide to stick with love because hate is too too great of a burden to bear. I can't walk around hating people, especially when they didn't do anything wrong. I mean, most of my best friends are white. I'm serious. So there's a guy that, that we thought was our grandfather to the day he died and he was a clan leader. Wow. Y'all laughing. That's the truth. And he treated us like his kids. And so we, we're trying to go after the heart. And if we don't work to heal the wounds of the body of Christ, we won't be effective in advancing the gospel or the message of
1: reconciliation. You know, uh, so in John, um, Jesus says, he says, I'm praying not only for these disciples. This is, this is Jesus, um, um, praying at the end of his ministry, right? He says, I I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. You are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us so the world will believe you sent me. If we are divided as a church, if we're fighting as a body of Christ." How in the world will the world hear the truth of the gospel? They're just gonna see us fighting and bickering all the time and they're gonna say, well, they ain't even got it figured out yet, right? And the church for a long time chose to remain silent on these issues. It chose to ignore these issues. It chose to perpetuate patterns. We don't want that to be an issue because otherwise people will say, I can't go to that church because that church is is hurting people. If we're a church that's hurting people again, who wants to go to a hospital that you, you know, people are walking into that hospital and they're walking out with broken legs. Like they walked in fine. Somebody broke their legs, pushed them out the door. We don't want to be a church where people say, you know, I walked in there and I walked out hurt. Wow. Or I walked in hurt and I walked out with the same hurt because they wouldn't even acknowledge it. We want to be a church that brings healing. Um, Janetta Sagan says this, she says, silence in the face of injustice is complicity with the oppressor. As a church, we don't want to be silent in the face of injustice. We wanna acknowledge it, we wanna address it, because if we don't say anything, it means we are complicit with what's going on. We can't just say nothing. We have to address it because for too long the church did choose to be silent. So, um, so today we do want to talk about. We want to. We want to give you some practical solutions for reconciliation before we get out of here. So, we're going to give you a couple of practical reconciliation practical steps for reconciliation. I'm going to give you a couple for, uh, for, for those of you who are lighter like me. I'm going to give you a couple of, of practical steps that you can do. And uh, we'll let Pastor Pitts give a couple from his perspective. So
0: pull your note uh, applications out and let's take some notes. Come yeah,
1: on. here we go. So here we go. Three practical steps towards reconciliation if you're in the white camp. That, that sounds bad, camp. Shouldn't say camp. Mm. See, I told you. The problem with these conversations That's is you say sound one fight. thing and it gets, it'll be on Facebook. The Anchor Scandal. You watch, it'll be, good morning America this week. We, go, we ain't coming back from this one. Kevin. That's right. So here's the thing. Three <laughs> things you can do. Um, number one, expand your circle to include people from different cultures. Expand your circle. That's the first and easiest thing you can do. If you are constantly hanging out with people that look like you, think like you, talk like you, you will never understand Other people. You will never be able to understand where they're coming from. You'll never build new relationships, and you'll always think of things as. They're different. You'll always see the division, and you'll you'll be comfortable in that. Um, so uh, learn about the experiences of others. Talk to them about it. Um, watch a movie or read a book about a different experience than yours. There are movies that 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 you might put on, and you're like, I just feel weird when I watch this. It just makes me feel uncomfortable because it's talking about things that I don't understand, and it's a different culture. I'm not just talking about books and movies about the historical aspects of slavery. I'm talking about about watch a movie that you might say oh that's a black movie I don't know like watch a show you're like that show is for the black culture watch it maybe you'll learn about their culture maybe you'll understand it and maybe you'll realize how much of our culture and their culture are intermixed if you watch those things um sit with somebody with a different background and ask them about their experience. And when they share their experience, just listen. Don't argue, don't diminish it, don't say, well, hold on, I think you were exaggerating or you're, you're saying this isn't real, just listen. Because their experience is their experience. Let them say it, listen and learn from it. So uh, the first one, expand your circle. The second one is this, put yourself in situations where you are the outsider. That is something that we don't wanna do. We like being the, 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 in a room where everybody is the same as us, where we feel comfortable. But you need to specifically inject yourself into a situation where you are, are the only in the room or close to the only in the room. I've had that opportunity in the last couple of years. Um, in this last year, there were a couple of funerals that I went to this last year where I walked in and I was like, I'm the only white man in this room hits made me stand up here and welcome people to a funeral <laughs> where not only I was the only one in the white man in the room, I was about the only one without a gun. <laughs> and you would think that I didn't feel Amendment comfortable. Amendment. And that that wasn't, that was not a, by the way, that wasn't a stereotyping situation. We were literally having to ask people to go back and put their guns in the car. That was not, I'm not, yeah, this this, is the the one guy literally walked in with a pistol in his pocket and a bottle of Hennessy in his hand. So, so Yes, I'm I'm not, I'm not stereotyping Kevin fit right in just saying, (laughs) just saying, so, but but you know what? My type of funeral. <laughs> as, as awkward as a, and uncomfortable as I felt in that moment, the reality is, as a white person, I don't understand how often people that are black, that are Hispanic, that are Asian, they walk into a room and they are the only it is often for them, and they have learned to walk in and and embrace it, and to be a part of it, and to 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 try and find comfort in understanding the other side because they've had to. We need to force ourselves to ex- to, to put ourselves in that situation, um, and. It's okay to be awkward. It's okay to feel tension. Just go in and listen and learn. Um, and so the second thing we're going to do is we're going to put ourselves in those situations. And the third one's this. Speak up against anything that isn't leading towards unity. Speak up against, against silence in the, it, it, silence is, is complicity with the oppressor. So speak up against anything that's not leading towards unity. So how can you do that? You're going to hear people say jokes and stereotypes and things like that, that you know, hey, there's just no place for this. Just say, hey, look, I'd prefer you not say that. I'd prefer you, let's not talk. I, I, I don't want to hear that kind of language. I don't want you to talk that way. I, I, don't, I don't take part in that. Speak up against it. Um, sometimes people are going to say things that are ignorant. Um, ignorance is not a, a, a slam on someone. It means they don't know. It means they need to learn. And so somebody might say something that's hurtful and they, they just need someone to say, Hey, can I explain to you how that hurts somebody? Can I tell you, I, I didn't. there was a time where I didn't understand, and someone explained this to me, that when you say this, this is why it hurts somebody else. So speak up and give them the benefit of learning. Because if they're learning from people that they, they feel like are in their bubble, that they have a relationship with, that, that, that have a culture from them, they're more likely to hear it than if somebody has to come from the other side and say, let me tell you why you're hurting me, because people start to put up barriers. Um, and then the other thing to speak up again, speak up is when there is a public tragedy. We're trying to talk right now before there's public tragedies. But speak up when you do see something that happens. Um, speak up, you can speak up publicly. You can say, "Look, I don't stand with what just happened." But you can also just speak up to those that you know around you. Speak to those that you have friendships and relationships with that are from the other culture, from the other background, and say, "Hey, I don't like what I just saw." Help me, help me understand, what are you experiencing right now? What can I do? Try and learn from it in the moment. The one thing you don't want to do when public tragedy hits is go, I don't want to say anything. Because if I say something, someone's going to judge me. And, and they're going to they're gonna say something about me. If we're going to make a difference, we got to speak up about it.
0: That's good, right? That's good. Hey, apply those things. I'm telling you, they work. Uh, I watch Kevin walk those out every day. Uh, So now, for me, three practical steps towards reconciliation for those who are uh, in the black camp. (laughs) I ain't going to leave my boy out there like that. If he getting a sound bite, I'm getting a scandal too. But uh, now for for us as black people, number one, don't have a blanket view of others. Don't have a blanket view of others. Every white person don't hate you. As a matter of fact, most white people don't hate you. All right. And so we can't walk around with that uh, blanket view because this is blaming uh, all others for the atrocities that happened to us in the past. And when I say us, I'm talking about our ancestors and and things of that nature and and those atrocities. And so we can't blame Everyone for that. That's where conversation and communication comes in. You have a conversation. Don't judge them because you become prejudice. You become prejudice. And when you take that hard posture, what happens is you turn the mission field into a battlefield And so when we take a blanket view, the mission field, we should be pursuing hearts of people when they wanna sit down and have a conversation with you. They may not understand what you're talking about, but you're pursuing their heart because it's the mission that God put us on, reconciliation. We have this message of reconciliation, and so we can't turn our mission field into the battlefield, all right? So number one, don't have a blanket view of others. Number two, when having conversation, don't cause people guilt. Don't cause guilt. So one of the things I watch with uh, people from my ethnic group is when they're talking or when these conversations happen, Pastor Kevin. The first thing we want to do is make everyone that doesn't look like us feel guilty. I don't want them to feel guilty. I want I want them to have empathy not guilty because number one who was not redeemed by the blood of Jesus and if we make them feel guilty like you said we're diminishing the work of Jesus Christ and so if I make you feel guilty about what you never did I'm diminishing what the blood of Jesus has covered and so as a black person I have to make sure that when I'm communicating I'm not uh, you know projecting guilt And making you walk away from the conversation like, oh man, I messed up. You never did anything wrong. You never did anything to me wrong. So instead, extend grace so there can be reconciliation. What does grace say? I'm looking at you through the crimson stained lenses of Jesus, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to just share me, share with me your heart and we both grow together. Can I get an amen? And the last one is this. Don't become what you're fighting to overcome injustice. Don't become racist to end racism. I'm going to stand up on that. Don't be racist to end racism. That'll never work. It'll never happen. it'll never accomplish anything if we exclude if we become exclusive and you know I I understand that you know we're trying to create this commerce amongst our community and all these different things but what we've done is we begin to perpetuate what we were fighting and it's not inclusive and so what we're saying is we want you to lay down who you are to become more like me so we can have equality is that equality equality no, that's not equality because now we create an, a different imbalance. It just swing the pendulum the other way. It goes the other way and now we're back in the same position. And so, Kevin, what I've learned is a lot of us, we don't want equality. We want revenge. I want them to pay. I want them to go through what I went through. And until they endure the heartache, what I went through, what you went through? You college educated, got a nice job, driving two cars, got an amazing house, living in an amazing community. What you went through? In comparison, our job is to be bridge builders and bridge the gap. And so I want to talk to you who are hurting as black people because i understand they are we are hurting man i mean you think it didn't hurt when they were calling me all those names you think it didn't hurt that when i chose to come past the anchor that a lot of people that was close to me turned their back on me because too many white people were here that hurt i shared it with you kevin remember i told you i was like man they don't get it they don't get what god wants And they're like, well, I didn't sign up for that. What did you sign up for? Like I said, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. It's not ours. Our job is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if I love myself, I have to love people that don't look like me, that don't act like me doesn't speak like me that doesn't talk like me that don't walk like me that don't drive the way i drive don't listen to the same music i listen to blue by the way bluegrass is the best genre of music ever <laughs> you'd have never thought that a man like me like bluegrass kevin talk about me all the time with his rap i call it the bumpity bump
1: music that's jared's music
0: A <laughs> tiktok bumpity bump music but um i hope you heard our hearts today on this Kevin, is there anything you want to...
1: No, The only, the only thing I was going to say is, is um, the goal, like you said, is not to swing the pendulum because when we swing the pendulum, it's all about getting our time of power, our time of say. What we're trying to do is remove the distractions so that it can be about the gospel. Because... This isn't just about giving hope for a, a different world of, of different social norm. It's about giving people hope for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've got to quit having distractions because of how we treat other people. If we'll treat everybody with the love that God has for them, then they'll be ready to receive the hope that we're trying to, to, to teach and the, the hope that, that Jesus came to give us. My, uh, my nieces and nephews are
0: interracial biracial and uh, and every time I think about this issue it really hits home with me because I think about them like how do they feel there's a struggle there's an internal struggle right those who have biracial children I mean I'm watching Joel and she's really really black she from the islands so are you <laughs> I'm Haitian man but uh <laughs> and Joel's really white <laughs> but I watch this and I get excited Kevin about the potential of what anchor can do and bringing hope to every soul that's a part of bringing hope to every soul so we want to pray Uh, right now I feel God's presence here his presence is here Uh, and we want to pray but before we pray stand up to your feet right stand stand on your feet jump on your feet now kneel and stand and kneel and stand but um, come on let's give it up for Pastor Kevin and his transparency and Thank you, Wes. Um, but do me a favor. Try to find someone that don't look like you right now. Just move and find someone that doesn't look like you. If you're married to them, that's cool. Joel and Trey like psh, done that. We're Ryan at? Ryan like. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like old Baptist Church Fellowship Hall. All we need is some chicken and some cornbread. (laughs) But um, the reason I asked you to do that is because we want to model. We want to model heaven here on earth. We want to model that. Like I told you, a friend of mine, Amante Monte who led worship a couple weeks ago, said he'd been around the world, but it, this isn't common. You know what they say to all my, uh, the people in the white camp? You know what it's told to me at every church plant conference I've been to? Black people follow a white pastor, but white people won't follow a black pastor. I said, come to Anchor.
1: <laughs>
0: Tell him, man. And, and we're breaking molds. We're changing generations. We are reversing the curse. Come on. And we're doing that right now. We're doing that. And so let's just pray. I see you, amigo. Gloria a Dios. That's all I know. Gloria on. That's ham, right? Or you're local. I don't know any Vietnamese or Oh, I do know. Ni hao. <laughs> oh. What is that, Natasha?
1: So let's pray. <laughs> We're going to have to do a whole other week to undo this.
0: (laughs) Welcome to our staff meetings 1.0. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, just for your heart being on display today. Father, we pray, God, now that as we go forth, that the joy that's in this room will overtake our communities. God, we speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and we declare that unity will be the natural thing God it won't be something uncommon it won't be something that we dream about Uh, Martin Luther King already had that dream let that dream become a reality God that there is unity like we experience here Father I pray God that you will soften our hearts on both sides all sides God that we can receive the truth of this word Father I pray for my brother and my sister God even as they pursue reconciliation like we said there will be some obstacles but God, you said in your word, if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we could speak to a mountain and tell it, be thou removed and cast into the sea. So, Father, we speak to every option and we ask it to be removed now in the name of Yeshua Hamashiach, who is Jesus the Messiah. And all that agree with this prayer said, amen, amen and amen.
1: Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.